All right, does anyone remember the, the scripture verse for our course? Who remembers it? Called with the holy calling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's, now it's all coming back. It's kind of a funky, uh, funky schedule just to like, address it. So right now, next week is Late Night Live, right? And the week after that, there's no formation because it's formation retreat the following yes! weekend, yeah! which is going to be sweet. Yes! We got, um, you guys remember, we got uh, Brother Jude and Brother Brennan coming from the Brother of Hope. Helping out. Yeah. And then we have uh, Joe Dunlevy from, uh, he's, he's a um, psychiatrist, psychologist, oh, whatever. No. Dang. Yeah, he was at Formation Retreat two years ago. Yeah, if you were there. If you were there. Um, but he's really solid. And we still have great line speakers coming. Uh, it's going to be a really powerful weekend. And then after that is small groups. Um, so this is like, it's kind of funky. So yeah, we got a couple extras. Cool, good stuff. Um, call this this one. This is this is uh, this talk's pretty good, guys. Yes. Not gonna lie. Media, entertainment, leisure. Uh, we're gonna dig in. It's a really so call with the holy calling is our course, right? And we talked about how you know we are um, sons and daughters. What that looks like, how the transformation of our lives at, in our new identity, and how that unfolds, and how that takes place. Talk about community, being rooted in a people, and now we're kind of getting some nuts and bolts some practicals, and actually what this renewal can look like. So, diving right in. You ready? I'm probably, probably going to have to like stand up halfway through this because you've been talked at. I, I, I feel your pain. So does Gavin also. Um, this is not, not our home court advantage here. But here we go. Question. When was the last time you created something? So, yeah, yeah. Today. Last night. Last night? What did you make? Nice. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Seth? Oh, yeah, Seth. Create, create magic for us. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah! That's magic, yeah. Me and Nathan are coming up with 100 ideas how to make ladders more efficient and safe. That's pretty good. Yes. You got something? Today. What'd you make? A blanket. Crocheting. That's so good. All right, all right, two more. Yeah, Svitala and yeah. I made a reel of us pushing a truck. That's good. I did see that. That was pretty good. It's pretty motivational. Yeah. What was it? So did you, how many cans of dog food did you have to buy for the chili? Uh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Made all the Cincinnati Dayton people check out. All right. So, but yeah, they're creating. So creating things, right? We're talking arts, talking crafts, we're talking woodworking, cooking, music, sewing, maybe a bar, right? I know some people in Antioch created something. So we've been called with the holy calling, right, brothers and sisters? We are called with the holy calling, right, according to God's purpose. So ever since the beginning, God has called human beings to be creators, to be builders with him. Amen? Right? That is part of our nature, right? So in the beginning, God made the sea, the sky, the mountains, the animals, etc., and he made us. And he made us in his image and likeness, right? This is kind of talk one recap. This is really important stuff because it kind of launches us out on the talk. So, so he created us so we could take on his responsibility to be co-creators in the world, right, and represent him. 
So there's something about God who is creator and actually in us and our identity that is also creator, right? Not like capital C creator, but like lowercase c, creators, right? And there's, there's a delight we have in that. He made us to actually be that. So this is who we are, brothers and sisters. And we, should, we can actually do the things God does because we made us in his image. So there's kind of three things here that I want to highlight is to create, to relate, and to celebrate. To create, relate, and celebrate. So, so to create is a call for us to create, like I was saying. But not mountains, but cathedrals, right? Not light. We can't do that. But we can create art. Not the sky, but music, right? There's, there's this ability and, and even drive in us to do these things. To relate, right? The Lord says, be fruitful and multiply. But this command, it's not just marriage, but God's purpose for a people. To actually mirror his image as communal. Three persons in one, right? This intense, this relational aspect to us. To relate. And we're created to celebrate. It's the same way that the Lord stepped back on the seventh day to admire the creation. Right? We can actually step back to celebrate the goodness of creation. To admire it and celebrate. So these are three parts that we actually represent who we are as, as sons and daughters. So this, brother, this is what leisure is about. It's about to create, relate, and celebrate. This is the heart of what leisure is. Did you guys get that article? How many of you guys able to read it? I kind of gave it last day, so it's like, it's pretty, pretty good stuff. And it's, there's some hot takes in there. I read it again today. I was like, oh, man. I wonder, I wonder what Alex Tosinski thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wants to talk about it. But here we are. So, um, but think about, like, the satisfaction that comes, right, from creating something for its own sake, right? Not because you have to, like, sell it on Etsy, but just to create something, like a blanket that you're crocheting, right? Or, like, a bar for your house, Right? Just like to do something that isn't for like a project or something, just to like make it happen out of nothing. Is there a satisfaction in that? Right? Think of like the intense satisfaction that comes from like a deep conversation that you have with a brother or sister that you just kind of connect on something. And you leave that, you're like, man, that was sweet. Where did that come from? Right? You know that satisfaction? What about like when you're like hiking or, or maybe just driving around during fall right now and you see a tree that you just kind of stop and you're like, that is majestic. You know? To like see God's beauty and to like even celebrate it in that moment. Like, Lord, you are so good. Maybe like hiking, right, in the um, fall break. So these three things, they draw us out of ourselves. And this, this, this satisfaction, we can find ourselves saying sometimes too, like, man, I wish I could do this more often, right? Like, I wish I could go hiking with so-and-so more often. I wish I could like bake my grandmother's delicious homemade bread more often. I wish I could, be, I could you know, be good at piano. I wish we could worship together more often. Like, we say these things a lot because we're made for those things. And when they happen, we know it's so good. It kind of resonates in us, right? It's something like, that it draws us to, like, that's actually what life more should, could be like. So, again, I want to expand our vision of leisure further than just mere physical rest, which is, is part of it, but it's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than just physical rest, right? It's this kind of invitation to mirror our image as sons and daughters, to co-create with the Father, to relate, and to celebrate. So what's, what's getting in the way of that, right? Because when we do it, there's, there's a deep peace, there's a satisfaction, there's a joy even in it, maybe a thrill you could say. Well, I think one of the things that probably draws us away from that would be, it's on top of your outline, media. Media. <laughs> media. And what, I say, what do I mean when I say media? I'm talking about mainly commercial media, okay? So we're talking about like TV, Netflix, Internet surfing, games, music, etc. And it's important to say that, like, 
media in itself is not bad, and we'll get to that. Uh, this isn't me just like crapping on media for 20 minutes. Um, but there's, there's, there's an approach we have to it. So I want to kind of put that off right in the front. But the, the scripture verse that's really important is Romans 12, 1 through 2. Who knows it? Who hasn't memorized? Yes. Yeah. You, you got it? Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how it starts? Someone was saying it earlier. You got it? You got it. Yeah. Not be conformed to the something of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Amen. That's yes. it. That's yes. she, yeah. Say, yeah. There you go, Monica. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Uh, it was David earlier. It was like, I urge you, therefore, brothers. I yeah. Urge <laughs> that, that's how it starts, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just hilarious if that catches on. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, that's hot on the streets. So. Um, this renewal of our mind, this is what we're talking about. And this, this talk is, there's a lot of things here. And what I want to say is the blessing is in the wrestling. Or you say the blessing is in the wrestling. Like there's, there's a lot that's going to be said today. And it's not just supposed to be like, like you, I think you're supposed to wrestle with this. And I think you, you are supposed to wrestle with this. It's not supposed to be like blind acceptance and like do it all. Like, like wrestle with it. Like how does it relate to your life? Like what is being said here that is true, good, and beautiful? And what can I like take steps in moving out of here? Because the point of this is not to give us some nice concepts, but actually to, that our lives would look different. Because that's the difference between like just some nice talk, teaching, and like actually formation. Because formation means like stuff's changing and stuff's happening. Teaching is just like, yeah, good concepts. Cool, man. Right? So we want to move to formation aspect. So good. So the reality is we're constantly consuming when we're in a media kind of orientation. So it's a really interesting thing to think about. Like, when you're, when you're, when you're engaging media, you're passive, are you not? Like, there is a way to, like, if you're reading, like, maybe, like, a journal or, like, an article or something, you are kind of thinking through concepts. But what is usually the media that we're engaging in? It's usually pretty passive, like, in our free time, right? It's, like, sit down and watch. Sit down and scroll. Like, it's, it's a passive orientation to us. It actually takes us out of an active engagement of life, right? So there's this dichotomy between who we are and how we live when it comes to our media use sometimes. So, yeah. So the question is, as a body of Christians in this SPO formation community, do we want to be a community that's marked more by creating or consuming? Right? When people encounter us, we want to, we want to actually to experience this creative aspect, this kind of outward thrust, this like, Co like co-creators with the Lord in these spaces or just a kind of bump consuming mindset because how we live impacts how people interact with us, right? How they, how they see us, how they experience us. So we're talking about media because it's, it's incredibly powerful ability to impact our lives and shape the way we think and live. And yeah, it's, yeah, good. All right. I said media is not intrinsically evil. It's a tool. But here's, here's the truth, right? The truth is that this tool has been co-opted by um, the, the, you could say, the broader culture, right? The world has made this a very effective tool. Like, all these different platforms have, like, some of the best psychologists and, like, neuroscientists, like, trying to fine-tune and make these things as, like, addictive as possible. Because the currency they're dealing on is your attention, right? You've seen The Social Dilemma does a good job of, like, talking about it. But, like, that's... That's what the currency is, is your attention. So it's not like a one-to-one -one transaction. What you're giving is your attention, and they get money from your attention. So they get money by shaping your thinking. That's the whole marketing world, right? I always tell Ellie, like, we, she's like, so funny, she's five, and sometimes we watch Cowboys games. She calls them the Cowberries. 
And she's now starting to call them the Cowboys, but I kind of want her to call them the Cowberries. I thought that was hilarious. Um, the, da the Dallas Cowberries. And uh, she, I, she was watching, they watch commercials and they just like, are like entranced. And I was like, I started like muting them because I'm like, this is like, this is weird. <laughs> like really into this commercial. Um, and I was kind of like, Ellie, like commercials aren't your friend. They aren't trying to like get you to like live a better, like they're trying to get you in your mind to get you to think this is important to shape what you like do and believe and spend your money on. Like that's what they're doing. That's what all these like psychologists and neuroscientists are trying to get at here. So media's been co-opted to try to get you to behave a certain way so they can ultimately have your money and maybe even like your allegiances because your, your money will follow your allegiances, right? To think what is like needed, I want to fit in, I need this. If I want to be happy, I need this. Like these people are partying, if I have this thing. And like it's all kind of under the surface, right? It's all under the surface because they're really smart and cunning what they do. So, um, yeah, a couple things here. Um, like when you get a notification on your phone, it actually, it's, they study as well, it, it releases dopamine. And everyone probably heard about dopamine before. It's like the reward, like it, it activates the reward center of our brain. It's like, Good. You get dopamine when you like finish a task, when you do something hard, when you like complete an obstacle. That's when you get dopamine normally. But it also comes with like little rewards, like little like ping, like <gasps> like that little like rush you get of dopamine. So that's why we're like checking our phone all the time. So notifications are a genius way for these like apps and stuff to like get your attention, and you, you kind of like the hit because it's like ooh, something's happening, and we like go down that rabbit hole, right? So we're like whatever we're doing, it just like interrupts us from the side, ding. And then we're like dopamine hit. And so has anyone ever like felt like your phone is vibrating and like gone for it and it wasn't vibrating? Yeah, so that actually means you're conditioned. At that point, like you were just so conditioned to have like the phone and binging, buzzing, doing whatever that it's just like second nature. Like it have, that definitely happens to me too sometimes, right? Just like, man, my brain is actually like anticipating sit beeping before it even does because my brain like wants more dopamine and it wants to get it from there. So this is, this is one way. Another way, there's a great book called what uh, the shallows, what the internet is doing to our brains. Oh. It's really fascinating. And one of, the, one of the, the things he goes into detail about is how when you're surfing the internet, you know, you find these like, uh, you find you're like basically following links, right? You're like, oh, cool, click. Ooh, what's this one? Click. Oh, what's over here? Click. And every time you kind of click, it's like this, it's a dopamine hit. It's like, ooh, what's behind this door? Ooh, what's over here? And we just kind of like, again, we're kind of passive in it, and we're just sort of like navigating this dopamine place. So what, what eventually happens is like our normal thought life can become like that, right? We can't actually stay on a single topic. We're just like, oh, this thought. Oh, over here. Oh, this thing. We all be kind of come like, actually, it's harder to pray. It's harder to have silence, right? We kind of sit in silence and we're like, I'm going crazy, you know, because we're so used to this like dopamine rush. This like, get, like it, we're, our brains are overstimulated, you could say. So again, like the endless scrolling is probably the most genius technique in the history of all media, right? It's like, how easy is it to keep scrolling? And you're just like, ah, a couple more. And then five minutes later, you're like, I said a couple more five minutes ago, but just a couple more now. And then 10 minutes later, you're still there, right? You're just scrolling. It just keeps coming. There's no like, wait for the page to load. It's just right there in front of your face, right? And we just keep in it. So it's easy to see how there, there's, some, there's some genius behind this. Um, the problem with those in control of much of the media output, they've put profit before people. Right? They've put profit before people. And we intrinsically hate this. Think of like, why do we hate Ponzi schemes? Right? A Ponzi scheme, like kind of this like whole idea of like there's someone at top who's like getting paid and like the people down low join it and then like they get people who like pay into it, right? 
and then they pay up, and then more people get involved, and they like pay up, and then like the, the guy in the top gets the richest, but people along the way get rich too, right? We hate that because it puts profit over people. It's like people are just a means to make profit. We hate that, right? Ponzi schemes are like abhorrent to us. We're like, ugh, gross. Like that's clearly wrong. But that's exactly what social media is, because if everyone just like kind of saw like actually what they're tapping into is our natural desire to be connected to people, our natural desire to like engage in relationship and to like actually encounter and know people and see what's going on. They tap into that natural desire, which is a good desire, and they just monetize it through um, some really clever strategies. But if everyone just stopped one day, they'd be left holding nothing, right? So it's, it, you, see that, you see that? Like if you cut off the bottom of the triangle, the people up top have no business because the business is us. <laughs> We are the business, right? And our attention is what they, what they uh, deal in. So, um, yeah. That's good. Is that, is that are you tracking me on this? I'm kind of going heavy into it, but um, yeah, it's a good wrestle. So here's, here's a story. You ready for a story? There's a guy named Pat Stucker. His brother Paul is the chapter leader at UC, if you met him. Uh, he's a good man. Pat was, was in, like, you know, the Mountain Rushmore of, like, SPO Ohio guys, great dude. Really good four years here. Um, and uh, we were at something back in 2013, it was called Man Wars. It was a retreat we used to do in like early in the year to get guys on it. Um, kind of silly name. But we just finished, Saturday morning we just finished our breakfast tacos. We're all camping, we're outside. And we're sitting around a fire. And Pat sees like this big jug of ocean spray, uh, cranberry juice, like sitting by the fire. He's like, man, you know what would be really good with these breakfast tacos is some savory tart cranberry juice. So he walks over there, grabs the large container, like one of those big ones you get at like Costco, you know, or at Sam's Club, and he just like throws it back. He's like, oh, that was weird. I don't know what that was. So he, like, he just doesn't think, he throws another massive swig back. And he's like, yeah, that's not cranberry juice. That's diesel fuel. Because <laughs> if you know, diesel fuel has kind of like a pink sort of tinge to it, where gasoline looks like you know, urine. But this, like, diesel fuel is kind of pink, so he, he drank diesel fuel twice. And not just like a little, like, most people when they drink something new would kind of be like, he was just like, gunk, twice. <laughs> so what he, was, what he was looking for in that moment was something to satiate his thirst, right? He was thirsty, he just had breakfast, and he saw something that he thought would be the, do the trick. It was in the right container, right? It was in the right, but then he like engaged it, and it was just poison, basically. He like waited six hours till he threw up too, which is really impressive. He just like felt bad for six hours. And then eventually he was like, when we were playing Frisbee, he like stopped and like made himself throw up and he was fine. Um, he didn't call poison control. He didn't go anywhere. Um, it's pretty impressive. So, so this, is, uh, this is Isaiah 55. It says, let everyone who thirsts come to the water. You who have no money, come receive bread and eat. For why spend your money for what is not bread, your wages for that fails to satisfy? Heed me and you shall eat well. You shall delight in rich fare. This is the Lord saying, like, Tom, uh, Father Thomas Dubay, he's a great spiritual writer, has some excellent books. Um, one's called Deep Conversion, Deep Prayer. Really highly recommend. But he calls human beings a thirst in the flesh. That's like maybe our fundamental nature, he would say. is like, like it's the same idea of like uh, St. Augustine, like our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Like we are a thirst in the flesh. So we are in a lot of ways like Pat Stucker, like looking for something to satiate our thirst. And oftentimes we see nice things wrapped in like a bottle and we're like, that's going to work. And then we take a swig of it and like, what does it do? Do we leave that encounter more refreshed and more alive? Usually not when there's diesel fuel inside, right? It like doesn't work. 
That's what we're looking for. We're looking for security. We're looking for meaning, love, acceptance, peace, life, joy. We're looking for these things, these things that are eternal, right? And we find them, and we, we think we have the right option. We think we have the right thing. This is what's going to help me relax. But rarely is that the case when it comes to just vegging on media, right? So, yeah. Um, I know in my life, oftentimes, like, into the day, I've worked really hard. I find myself, like, you know, decompressing. And it's really easy, because you've been pretty active all day, probably. You've been taking notes. You've been talking to people. You've been doing things. You've been building stuff, creating things. You've been creating, relating, and celebrating. And it's really easy just to go into veg mode, right? But actually, at the end of the day, what, what a powerful time to actually maybe just, like, turn to the Lord. And maybe, like, read. Maybe, like... Um, engage just like it's like it's still a leisure thing because you're not really doing things really hard it's just like just tilt it a little bit to the side towards a different direction as opposed to scrolling but actually like maybe like take the readings maybe like read a journal or an article online right that's actually stimulating maybe a christian article learn something like maybe read a book you're going through like when you're done with that do you feel better or worse than if you scroll on instagram for 15 minutes feel better you've done it i know i do but somehow, I'm still drawn to the easy, right? That's kind of our folly, right? Paul says, I do, I do the things I don't want to do, right? So here's, um, and that's the wrestle in it, brothers and sisters, is like, what, like, why? And where do I take it? And what am I actually looking for? So there's a poet, I'm a, I'm a fan of his name, is Robert Bly. Um, he wrote a book on, uh, he wrote on masculine initiation, but it works for everybody, I promise. Hang with me, sisters. Um, but he offers some keen insights in the development of the soul and its inner workings. He says this quote, he says, when we love cultivation more than excitement, we are ready to start a garden. And he's meaning like internal more than like, it's a metaphor, he's a poet, he's really deep. So he says, when we love cultivation more than excitement, we are ready to start a garden. In the garden we cultivate yearning and longing, those strangely un-American feelings, and notice tiny desires. Paying attention to tiny, hardly noticeable feelings is the garden way. So there's something about actually paying attention to what's going on in our lives instead of just like end of the day when we could reflect and we could like take that to the Lord and like actually grow in deeper understanding and be a more integrated person, we just kind of like numb it and throw it to the side, right? I mean, Socrates, right? The unexamined life is not worth living. So nothing stomps out this like awareness faster than us just like grasping for something temporary, right? It just kind of like bulldozes the whole moment. And it doesn't leave us feeling better. It leaves us feeling more... Um, more empty. There's a quote on a house, if you've been to our house, it's underneath our little family whiteboard. It says, life immersed in digital distraction creates a near constant cognitive overload. Yeah, Adeline knows she sees it before. It's kind of fuzzy too. I kind of like it. People look at it and they're like, is that? Yeah, it's fuzzy. <laughs> it's like, it looks like your glasses are off. But the whole idea is that this, this digital distraction, actually what it does, it doesn't calm our brains, funny enough. This is why you don't leave like binge sessions, feeling better about life. It actually accelerates your brain because all this information's coming in so fast and you're processing it and you're clicking on different things, different things are happening, you move from one thing to the next, your brain is like actually on hyperdrive. And actually when you leave it, your brain doesn't like settle down right away. You know, is your computer fan every fire up, you know? And it's like, and you're like, it's about to take off. And you like shut your laptop and it's still going for like 20 minutes, you know? It's kind of like that with your brain. It's like the fan is still going, trying to cool off your brain that's just like, going 1,000 miles an hour. So it's like we want relaxation, and we turn to this, this like, meteor scrolling or whatever, and it, it doesn't work. 
it actually makes it harder to do the next thing. I don't know if you ever experienced that personally. I know I have. So there you go. What is the solution? Okay, that was a lot about the experience. And uh, brothers and sisters, I'm right there in the midst with you in the wrestle, right? Because none of us are immune to media and the effects it has on us, right? We're all at different places in it. We're all, we're all in the game. But we were called with a holy calling. Amen. Amen? Amen? We were called with a holy calling according to God's purpose. And we as Christians need to actually think and pray about a different approach to media. It's actually more in line with us being disciples, more in line with us being transformed and to live the life that God's created us to live, to be free, right? To have true rest that the Lord has for us. So this is Psalm 101. It says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is base. This is kind of part of the solution. Step one is pretty easy. It's just get rid of the trash in your life, right? Get rid of the things that actually are taking you apart. Philippians 4 says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we can take out the bad and replace it with good. That's kind of easy first step, right? I always kind of, I don't mean to call anyone out here because I don't have anyone in mind, but like a lot of people would talk about, uh, what was the show? Um, HBO, Game of, Thrones, Game, Game of Thrones. And they're like, oh, it's so sick. And I'm like, isn't there like, it's just, here's a lot of nudity. You know, it's like, no, but it's great storylines. Like, okay, well, probably not going to watch. You know, it's just like, there's certain things like that that, like, the culture kind of be like, yeah, but it's, like, so interesting, right? And we just know that, like, actually there's, like, some serious poop in the water. And I don't want to drink the water if there's just a little bit of poop in it. A little bit of poop spoils the whole water, you know? <laughs> it's not to say there's not movies that actually, um, like, sexuality is pretty easy. But there's some movies that maybe have some, like, potty words. That's probably, like... You know, use your judgment, right? I'm not saying that all things that have, like, any kind of thing. But use your judgment, right? Know with eyes wide open what you're getting yourself into. So getting rid of the trash. Um, so there's three principles here. They're on your outline. So in order to bring our leisure under Christ's lordship, there's, there's three kind of principles that we're going to dig into really quick. Um, so first one is limited. Limited instead of time-wasting. So how our approach to media should be, one principle, it should be limited. So... As, again, as opposed to just time-wasting. So limiting our media use to times when it would be helpful, particularly for education, information, and entertainment, for those three reasons. So, so one way, it says here, one way to highlight the impact of an approach to media that isn't limited. So be honest. If you can't make a daily prayer time, what is it that you're doing that's more important? Right? Is that John Piper quote on there? Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, yeah, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram would be to prove at the last day when Jesus comes back that prayerlessness was not for lack of time. Amen. Sheesh. John Piper. Um, so when, this is, when, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So if we, brothers and sisters, are going to make our lives available to the Lord, if we're going to be growing as disciples, we need to set aside childish things that stand in the way of that. Amen? Amen. And one of the childish ways that could stand in the way of that, um, again, not all media is intrinsically evil, and we have to discern that, um, though some is, but we don't want to have an orientation to our life that's just driven on, like, what do I want to do in this moment? Like, what my desires and feelings are, and, like, right now. Like, that's a childish way to go about life. Like, I want it now. I want to do this. So the, the thought process can go like this. It can go, um, one, I want to do blank. Two, there's not a good reason not to, so I'll do it. 
And I would, I would propose that as a childish way to think. Like, because what's leading that question is what I want to do in that moment. Like, what do I want to do? This. Well, it's not evil, so I'm going to do it. I would say the better, way, the better question to ask is like, what is the best way for me to use my time right now? What is a higher way for me to spend my time right now? And that's when we're starting to put to death some childish ways and actually stepping into something greater, into our life as a disciple. And what the cool thing is, we find in that, one, there's grace to do that, that higher thing, and two, it's actually better than the other way, right? We get more life from it. It actually snowballs in our life. It's more a building. So I'm not saying that media is never good to spend your time on, but I am saying that in this equation that we probably default to it too much. It's probably just the easy, quick thing right away. But maybe we can put a little pause there. Again, sometimes it needs to be there, right? Um, but it doesn't need to always be the first thing and the only thing. That's what I'm saying there. It's good to keep up with some, uh, some Instagram trends, right, Gavin? Yep. <laughs> so uh, principle number two is selective. We should avoid media that is immoral or harmful and only use media when we have a reasonable confidence it will be acceptable unless there's a good reason to take a risk. It's a very nuanced statement. Basically, avoid stuff that is immoral and harmful and use it when we have a reasonable confidence that it will be actually acceptable and helpful. So again, um, we should avoid entertainment that is immoral, clearly. Um, ideologically slanted is actually unhelpful. So I was, just for fun, I went to www.foxnews.com to see what was on it, and literally the t- main story was Spacey Scandal, Jury Reaches Verdict in Actors' Sex Assault Trial. And I'm like, great. This is like what's on the front page of like a news site that people think of when they think of a news site. It's like, that's not news. That's like tabloid stuff, <laughs> you know? So, and then too, like, especially around election time, depending on what website you go to, you can get really worked up, depending on like how like ideologically slanted certain sites are, right? And it can be really unhelpful. It can take our peace. We can get like kind of wrapped up in this whole narrative and like lose sight of what actually is going on. So I would recommend actually having more reputable news sources if you need, the news is important. Like personally, I'm a big fan of the Wall Street Journal. You can find like real newspapers like that all over the place that actually would give you somewhat um, a good idea of what's happening. And they wouldn't put the Kevin Spacey trial as their front page story, because that's ridiculous. So ideologically slanted, it's actually really helpful, uh, unhelpful. Um, avoid entertainment that is actually depressing. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch Squid Games, but damn, that was depressing, right? That was a poor media choice. I was so curious that no one told me. Um, I think I talked about it last year if you were in formation. Anxiety producing, unhelpful. Anger producing, like what's that really solving? If you're getting worked up about something. Uh, or if it stimulates worldly or unhelpful desires. These are all things that can kind of like draw us off center, right? So media can negatively, negatively affect us even if, like, even if we think it doesn't. So just because we say like, oh, it's not a big deal, doesn't mean it's not affecting us. I don't know if you've, you guys, you guys figure that out in life sometimes. It's like, oh, no, it's fine. It won't affect me. And then like we realize later it does. So for instance, I get like music that can objectify women. Like, oh, I, you know, I'll never do that. That if it's like in your mind all the time, there's something seeping in there. Because at, at best, it just desensitizes you right, to what's being talked about and become permissive of them. At worst, it actually trains you to desire the wrong thing. Right? And we actually start to place that at a higher place in our life. So, yeah, media. Uh, it actually affects our emotions, our desires. Um, it can become a coping mechanism. So this is kind of the diesel fuel idea that we were thirsty 
we need something, and we can turn to something that actually doesn't help the situation at all. I would say, too, um, if you're like prone to depression or anxiety, like gorging on media can actually like give the opposite effect. I mean, actually, like, so, I mean, like, it's definitely something in my life, especially my family, it's depression. And like, I notice certain times, like, when things aren't, I'm kind of feeling like the heaviness. Like, the worst thing for me to do is to like show myself up and like do, like, gorge on something. The better thing for me to do is to get my butt up and go work out or go talk to someone. And then it's like, okay, we're moving. It's way better, right? So if, especially if that's in your family or in your past, depression and anxiety is compounded when we just kind of like zero in on media and like zone in on ourselves. I got a couple quotes here. This is some good stuff. This is from Ethics and Communication 2 from 2000, the year 2000. It says, the contents of this vast outpouring, basically like the huge options of media, range from hard news to pure entertainment, prayer to pornography, contemplation to violence. Depending on how people use media, they can grow in sympathy and compassion or become isolated in a narcissistic, self-referential world of stimuli with near narcotic effects. Not even those who shun the media can avoid contact with others who are deeply influenced by them. So again, how we use media shapes who we become. It shapes who we value. Uh, and so there should be some selective nature in what we take in, right? It's not just about getting your screen time numbers down. It's actually about living, like, trying to live as a disciple, trying to become more like the Lord, trying to actually display his character to the world. So it's not just about stats. It's about having our hearts transformed. So then this is JP2. Um, he says, he says a, key, a key question to ask ourselves. In reflecting upon the means of social communication, we must face honestly the most essential question raised by technological progress. Whether as a result of it, the human person is becoming truly better. That is to say, more mature spiritually, more aware of the dignity of his humanity, more responsible, more open to others, especially the neediest and the weakest, and readier to give and to aid all. Right? Is it, so there's some things that are really great. Like I get to FaceTime my parents who live in Dallas so they can see their grandkids. Pretty awesome. Like sometimes my wife and I, we really enjoy watching a movie like at the end of a Lord's Day celebration at like 10 p.m. So they close the night. It's a really good thing. Like I watch Cowboys games. I sometimes even watch Aggie football get demolished. You know, like there's media in my life. Sometimes I even like read some articles. I, I subscribe to The Athletic because there's really high quality sports journalism there. And like I read those stories, right? So like there's, and I, I, like I said, I read the Wall Street Journal sometimes. So there's like, there's places in my life, but those are all kind of selective. It's kind of point and shoot for me. Um, like on my computer, like I don't have Twitter. I have, a, I, have a, I have an app that like blocks time. Mitch showed it to me actually. You can like set time limits for stuff. So I get like, I think like 10 or 20 minutes of YouTube a day. And usually that's like watching a game recap or something. Yes, like playoff baseball is going on right now. Yes, I'll watch the Padres win or something like that. So it's like, it's all, it's all kind of like point and shoot. And I think that's the encouragement and the selective of like be intentional, point shoot, and know where you're getting it from. Because again, like, is it helping us become more human? No. But is it like need to be cut out entirely? No. Like maybe for some of us, but we'll get to it later. Anyways. All right. Last one is purposeful. We should as much as possible relate to media by conscious decision and not fall into indiscriminately. This is kind of what I was talking about for a second there. So yeah, basically, 
on, a, on the whole, it is better to entertain ourselves with other people than alone, especially like movies and stuff. It's better to do it with a group of people and not fall into it. Because it's funny, like back in the day, SPO was like, we didn't have a TV and we were really radical for not having TVs. Now it's like, no one cares. No one has TVs in public spaces because no one like, sits around and watches the TV together. They all go and watch their own screens. So it's kind of like a new frontier for all this stuff in household. But like, when you're in your room watching something on your own, uh, it's basically like you just like watching TV by yourself and it can be pretty divisive, right? So it's better to do it together. So honestly, if you have a YouTube binge session, you might as well invite a couple housemates with you. <laughs> uh, not, not purposeful with, with media, it's like going to the grocery store hungry and like not having a shopping list. Just gonna, just gonna end up in bad ways. Gonna have a bad time. So last thing I wanna say before we get to this, leisure, this is the last part on leisure. Uh, I realized, man, I went a little more de detail than I wanted to. But leisure, like, is is like this is create, um, relate, and um, celebrate idea, right? So when we take something away, we need to replace it with something. So if you take something away, if you're like, yeah, I'm like a solid hour on YouTube a day, like cut it down to ten minutes and use the fifty minutes for something else, like learn guitar. If you ever want to learn guitar, piano, it's a great time to do it. If you want to learn how to draw, great time to do it. What about reading books? Man, I wish I had more time to read. Well, now you do. Congratulations. Like, like take the time away. Because like, what, what could you use that time for? Right? Maybe like, oh, I never see my housemates. Yeah, like, maybe you're like, you need the time to like hang out with the house. So there's, there's great, like, we got to fill it with something. And, and just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good, good trade-off. You're going you're gonna to win that one. So last part, and this is getting into the leisure idea. The article is really good, so I don't want to. There's, there's a lot in there that you can you can read and kind of understand leisure better. We think we hear leisure, we think like physical rest, and that's part of it. But leisure is actually this. It's this inactivity of celebrating what is. And the highest form of leisure is what? Worship. worship. And yes, worship this, worship obviously the mass, the highest form of worship, um, worship and like actually turning to the Lord in prayer. Um, but also just the worship idea of like, like turning our hearts to the Lord in moments, in silence, right? That's actually an act of worship. Worship is giving worth too. So to say no to this and say, God, you're worth my time, that is in itself an act of worship. Right? We don't have to be like clapping our hands and jumping up and down, but turning our attention to them is an act of worship. So a great way to uh, engage leisure, we have the Sabbath day and to celebrate the Lord's day. Yay. The Lord gave us a commandment in order to help us realize this need for true leisure in, my, in our lives. And again, it's not just this inactivity, but it's just like, the, the article does a good job, kind of, I won't go into it, but talking about like, when everything is related to work, like I rest to work, I go on vacation so I can work better, I sleep so I can be more efficient, I do this thing so I can be a more effective worker. If everything's related to work, that actually degrades our humanity because we just exist to work. Like you are a functionary, you exist to make money and to give taxes to the government. Like that's actually not your dignity. Your dignity as a son and daughter of a God is to thrive and like co-create with the Father, right? To represent him on earth. So. We don't want that idea of leisure to be just so we can work, but actually to step away from the world of work and say, actually, it can be on pause today, and I'm going to actually just worship God. I'm going to actually spend this time like, 
engaging in good conversation, doing good things, recreating, going out, going hiking. It's like not all spiritual. It's spiritual and physical, right? We do the spiritual things, it's like worship, mass, prayer. Yes, but also we just like do things. We go play sports, we go hang out, we go do shenanigans, like whatever. Like that's all leisure. We don't want to just tend in one direction over the other. A good way to think about the Sabbath, this is, yeah, this is a good way to think about the Sabbath. So imagine when you're steering, a, when you're like on the seas, you know, you guys have all steered large ships before, just like Stephen. Stephen's a boater. Um, you imagine like a big ship on the seas. Like you don't really turn. You're just going straight. But they're constantly checking the stars for navigation, right? Why do they do that? Well, because there's winds. There's waves. Like you get knocked off course. And like Sunday every week is a chance for us to like pause and assess. Am I living for eternity? Am I going the right direction? Is this all like lining up towards the Lord? Or is, am I like kind of going sideways right now? Like that's the gift of the Lord's day is actually to pause, reflect, and see like am I going the right direction? So why we do Lord's day? Lord's day is just a way to commemorate that and stamp that and do it in a like a set way that actually draws us to that reality. There's more to it, but um, I'm going to invite up Anna Meskers to give a quick testimony about there's a blessing in the wrestling. I imagine it's kind of the main theme. Anna, if you don't know Anna, she is a wonderful. I knew Anna when she was a little freshman at Ohio State. Yeah, you like, we picked you up from like South Campus dorms and you like got in the truck and I was like, yeah. who's this person? And like, that's yeah, Anna. I was like, oh, cool, good to meet you. Yeah. And now you're Your married. Truck. Yeah, in the yeah. truck. Uh-huh. RIP, I said it's a cool truck. Um, Anna is married. Phil, a little daughter, Lydia, who's one and a half, not a half. Almost a half. She's a pretty cute kid. Anna also works at Christ the King, uh, doing, you do a lot of stuff. Education. education. Sunday school. Sunday school, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Christ the King. So, great daughter Lord and a great witness to the Christian life. So, take it away. Thanks, John. Thank you. Like John said, I'm also like wrestling. We're all wrestling with this. So, um, I do just want to, yeah, testify to what the Lord has done in my life since I was a freshman, since almost almost ten years ago, almost. Yeah. Um, so I want to start kind of more on like a solemn-ish note. So on my daughter Lydia's first birthday. Um, I know, like, you guys don't have kids, but just, like, bear with me. Um, On her first birthday, I was, like, playing with her, hanging out, all this stuff. And then I was checking my phone, like one does. And my daughter, like, climbed up the steps. We didn't have a gate at that point. We do now. Um, And she, like, fell down the steps, like, pretty hard. And I just was, like, so sad and mad at myself that I let this idol this black box, like, take me away from my daughter. And she, like, she literally got hurt. She's, like, fine. But, like, she got a bruise and stuff. But it, like, literally hurt her. Um, So I know that you guys don't have daughters climbing upstairs, but just, like, think, like, who in your life have you, like, missed? Or, like, who have you, like, who have you should have been watching? Or what? Or anything like that. And you, like, weren't because you were on your phone. So... That was like a big thing for me, and a lot, I've had a lot of those 
instances where something has just like jarred me so much. I'm like, I have to make a change. I just have to. And um, I've always struggled with discipline um, with a lot of things, but yeah, Snapchat, Facebook, Pinterest, now YouTube. Um, but after like hearing the talks and stuff in when I was in formation, I made a decision after a while of like those different um, instances of like, oh, this is like, why is this taking all of my time and my energy and my focus? Um, I, I just like quit them one at a time, just like let them out of my life because they were idols and they were, um, I was putting them over any, everything. So I embraced the freedom and I celebrated those broken chains and like, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, like now I still watch YouTube a lot. But I, um, yeah, I just invite you and encourage you. Maybe there's like the fear of missing out or whatever. But my life is so much better that I'm not checking my phone a million times. I still do and I don't have all these notifications. But um, honestly, I have just experienced so much freedom. And sometimes like my husband used to have Facebook on his phone and I'd be like, can I look at it please? please, 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 please. And he's like, no. No. Yes. Good job, Mr. Phil. Yeah. And he eventually, like, he deleted off of his phone because I could not control myself. So there's, like, a quote that I live by, like, know thy faults, know thy weaknesses, and thus live. So, yeah. know yourself. Yeah. I knew myself. I knew that I could not handle moderation of screen time, for example. So, I, I had to. Um, and the Lord was so good and generous to me um, with that. One creative thing, um, I learned um, guitar my sophomore year, and I just want to praise the Lord. It was the first time in my life that I did something that I didn't, like, beat myself up at. Like, I was learning. Like, I took it from, like, just picking it up and, like, making awkward noises to, you know, like, leading morning prayer or, like, being at formation or cornerstone or my family prayer now. So, I just want to praise the Lord. Um... Because he gave me that gift of learning and enjoying and also like learning from Emily Bauer and playing with lots of lots of women so I could learn and practice. Um, and then the last one. So my husband and I watched the Great British Baking Show. Yes. Know, like it. Um, we have found ourselves a lot of times being really critical. When we watch TV, we are just like nasty. We like rip into people. It's like embarrassing to say. We're like, oh, his voice. Oh, his blah, blah, blah. Oh, her blah, blah, blah. It's bad. Like, we've had to like repent, like sitting on the couch, like, we should not do that. Um, yeah. One thing we kind of did recently was um, we looked up some recipes on the website for nice. British Baking Show, and we like made the recipe. And it was hard, and we also like, kind of fought. So it's like just funny because it gave a new perspective of like, oh yeah, it's so easy to consume and watch and judge, but actually creating and doing, like we made good memories and stuff. Um, so yeah, getting outside of yourself and there is freedom. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. That's so good. I love it. Yes. All right. Last thing, this is a media inventory. So this is, this is a tool, it's an optional tool. Now there's two pages. So this is, 
There's no, there's like, ideally you go through this in small group, but you're not gonna have a small group transfer formation tree. We're talking about other things. So here's my proposal, if you're willing to accept it, is if you feel convicted, use this as a tool to kind of gauge really how much money you spend on entertainment and media, and then time to actually log it. And then maybe your also leader says like, hey, like in a week we're gonna have, during closed dinner, we're gonna like bring our, like bring, if you've done the chart, we'll bring it to household dinner and talk about it. If you haven't done it, we'll just talk about it anyways. So that could be a really cool way to like engage this and say like, because it's really one thing to talk about it, like, yeah, I don't have that big of a problem. But then you like map it out one day, you're like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there, 45 there. You're like, I spent three and a half hours on social media today and I thought I was like barely using it. You know, it's just one thing to like actually map it out and see where it's actually at. Um, it's really, it's really a cool way to do it. So just a tool, if you want it, I humbly submit it to you. I just print it out, there's two pages there. And then, yeah, thanks guys for digging in. That was a little bit longer than I would like, but you guys did excellent. So, gold stars for everyone.